0: Hello listener, before we get into this episode of Fever FM, I just wanted to ask one small request of listeners. As I'm sure you're aware, podcasting has some costs associated with it. Up until this point, we have been covering those costs, which is not a very good long-term strategy. So this is the point where I come cap in hand and see if there are people out there willing and able to uh, make a small contribution If that is in fact you uh, and you enjoy the podcast or perhaps like the sound of Dave's voice, you can head to patreon.com slash the yellow fever crew and you'll see a bunch of membership uh, tiers there starting at just $2 a month. I will chuck a a link in the show notes so you don't get lost in the maze that is Patreon. So if you are able, please uh, head there and uh, and check out those tier of options. That's probably the extent of my pitch. I'm not the greatest salesman. So without any delay, uh, here is the latest episode of Fever FM. (coughs) I fell
1: into a ring of fire. I fell in. Let's see it. When you kiss me,
0: fever, when you hold me tight. I wish I
2: was in Wellington. The wind is coming.
1: Hello, and welcome to Viva FM. Tonight we've got a bumper edition with not one but Two men's games to talk about, and of course, the women's game versus uh, the Newcastle Jets. I am joined by Dale, Dave, and Cam. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening, Christy. Hello, hello. I love that you all pause and wait for each other. You're so polite, <laughs> which I know is just not true. We'll crack straight in because we have a lot to get through. Um, start with the game versus Brisbane. In the mighty Brisbane uh, metropolis, was Paulson, Lucas Kelly, Hill, Scott Wooten, Van Sermon, Isaac Hughes, Moel Tay, Pennington, Crave, uh, Van Hadden, Barbarusis, and Ball. The inclusion of Isaac Hughes was a bit of a surprise, but someone had to go on, and we we're running short of numbers. Is there a- anything to say apart from that? Just find bodies, put on field.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is always the point of the season, right, where you test your squad depth. There's always going to be some some injuries getting carried by this point, and the yellow card suspension starts to loom. So I think it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's watched the A-League before that this is the time of year where you are having to start players like that through some sort of series of events, right? So I think it's good that it, what we've seen so far is we seem to have young guys who are capable of stepping up, hopefully, we can continue that trend through the, the kind of rest of the season, right? Because there will be more of those to come.
1: Well, we saw um Alex Rufa and Tim Payne, two of our steadier defenders uh, sitting this one out due to uh, cum- accumulated yellow cards for Rufa and a red card for Mr. Payne. That's a big loss in your defense. you two probably strongest leaders out there as much as Scott Wooten does a lot of direction. Roof seems to control the middle of the field and that whole right-hand side seems like Tim Payne. Certainly verbalises a lot of the (laughs) behaviour up there. Would that be a polite way of putting it? it's one way to put it. He yells at people until they do what he says.
0: Yeah, I suppose. So I, I guess he also provides a fairly decent attacking outlet as well, uh, which yep. I think I think we missed of that those the two weeks that he wasn't
1: there. Yeah, that that not having him there does it highlighted how much we use that right side and promote that right side and his overlaps. I think I want to come to a kind of a contradictory point as well with obviously. Um, Missing in the next game, missing both Pennington and um, Moal Tay. Also showed a lot of um, interesting behaviour on that right hand side. Um, this was was it fair to say that this game was a was a bit of a prize fight between two guys that didn't want their record getting scuffed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, not a lot happened in that first half until about injury time. I think it, it was. It, it was, it was quite interesting I think uh, Tay started it at the right wing back and then maybe after like 10 minutes him and um, van Haddam swapped in I thought van Haddam looked you know fairly reasonable put in some fairly good you know decent crosses on that right hand side but yeah the bit of yeah just lack of creativity uh, somewhat similar I think to the central Coast game where it's kind of this battle between us trying to create transitional moments because that's where we're best at and and other position team not wanting to do that so there wasn't wasn't a lot of chances for either side really in that first that first half until you know the last couple of minutes of the half where we kind of found that we could get into the attacking third and do something with it
3: yeah and I think as well it was it was an interesting one in that I mean, we're going to talk about the CCM game next, but obviously that was a first versus second clash. This one, this one, as you say, kind of felt a bit like that, but really didn't have that same aura about it because this was top of the table versus you know a very bottom half team, and yet it looked a pretty evenly contested match with, as you say, you know it looking like both teams were going out there to not lose it to some extent, which just seems a bit weird when in reality we're top of the table. It, it, it felt it felt a little strange to me how even in KG this first half in particular was given the state of the table and the state of play. Um, it may be, I don't know. It, it probably suggests something about our mentality. You know, we, we are still even in games that maybe we should be dominating a bit more, still looking to stick to the game plan, still looking to be the, the team we are, no matter which the opposition is. And yet at the same time, we've kind of said that it's interesting that chief is quite willing to tinker to oppositions and and, you know there's a bit of that too so I don't know it's kind of six of one half a dozen of the other in some ways where there's there's just that kind of mixing of things here where he does really want to stick to his core belief tactically but at the same time tinker around the edges of it constantly so it's it's an interesting one and I, I I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing but it's yeah it's not ineffective
0: i uh, mean he i mean listen to him speak in, in press conferences and he, he definitely views home games as quite different to away games you know away games he yeah. sees as the home team is, is needs to make the play here and that he will set up quite differently to home games where he thinks that we have to make the, you know the play and, and be on the front foot so um yeah and i think you know we've seen that throughout the season where we've tended to have an extra body in midfield on those games and out usually started those those games but i think this game i think perhaps highlighted what Alex Roofer brings to the game and what we miss when he's not there. You know, he is that really good, first, defensively, making tackles. He makes lots of tackles and breaks up play. But secondly, just being that pivot from out the back and being able to turn in tight situations. You know, he reads, he, he knows where everyone is. He can get out of a tight situation. He he get, get out of tight spaces and, and release some of that pressure and can, off, can quite sometimes put in a fairly decent you know, dissecting ball, not in behind, but you know, cutting through the press and those kind of things. And I think without him there in those two roles, I think we really struggled to be on the front foot as perhaps we'd like to be or be as comfortable. I mean, not that they created really anything in that whole game, but we perhaps weren't as productive going forward either because I think we just didn't have him as
1: a good pivot to, to go through. Yeah, I, I'd wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, we've seen his defensive Um, strength over previous seasons where he has been very good at breaking up but we've we've criticised him a bit I guess for his lack of ability to find a pass or to progress the ball forward but I think this year we've seen his strength on the ball I think is one of the things that I've noted is his ability even when he's got someone right on his shoulder or on his back to be able to lean on them and just turn and get facing forward and then offload and that kind of makes all the difference when you see the people he's got in front of him. As much as uh, Costa is an exceptional player, he kind of needs to play off the shoulder, so he needs the pass after that, and Ball is very much uh, a workman, as is probably Van Hattem, I think, as well. So they're not going to light it up, certainly with um, unless they can give them the opportunity to get put into space. I think that makes all the difference with... Uh, no pain there. You didn't see that interchange between um, Mo Alte as well. Uh, he, uh, Pain and Alte seem to have a pretty good rapport, or actually even with Pennington as well. The, the rapport they tend to have with, when pain goes forward, someone covering. Really, really good organisation on defence, but it, without someone running forward like pain, we don't get those overloads or... In fact, this was the one time we did see one in, over these two games. It was the um, goal that Crive uh, scored. I think it was, um, was it Van Hedden that won the ball up high? Yeah. And he just, he found Moel Tay who just put a beautiful cross, cross to Crive on that back post, just nodded it in. This is, I guess this is textbook what Chiefy wants, right? The turn quickly go be very very clinical as much as we're banged on about you know eventually the, those goals aren't going to come we've gotten to this part of the season and for the most part we have been that clinical there have been chances missed but not as many as I thought there would be, what about you guys? Yeah I think that's I think it's fair, I think
0: uh, and I think that the patch that I mentioned just before half time I think was when we started to get Van had him a bit more overloaded up, up that front. Like, a, a few things went through him. Um, there's a few sort of one-twos that got us in behind. There's one particular one where I think Ball played in. Van had him. And I reckon he had a good chance of going straight to goal when he cut it back to Costa, who was kind of, like, still inside, outside the near post, and he got, got, got um, kind of blocked. And his sort of, you know, if he just kind of backed himself and took two steps towards goal, he, he probably would have had a free shot from, you know, Admittedly, a tight angle, but better than what was dished up on Costa. So, yeah, I think when we did get that overload going towards the end of the half, that's when we started to look, you know, a bit more dangerous. And I think, you know, we did a a little bit more in that second half as well.
1: Yeah, it was really the second half that kind of uh, was. I think there was probably more creatively happening. Um, A lot of it, unfortunately, for Brisbane, uh, Zad Zadkovic rolling some changes. We brought on. uh, We got. Oscar Zavada and uh, Finn Conchion eventually, um, but not before um, Nico Pennington got his fifth yellow and so missed the next Mariners game. It, I mean, how how tough is it when we have such a defined defensive field pivot role is to lose these kind of players? You lose Rufa for this game and then you lose moel tay and um, pennington for the next one is that what's kind of causing the, our lack of kind of forward movement or is it just one of those things people have worked us out
3: probably a bit of both right but i think i think for me the thing about this is um i think we talked about last week you know it just it just feels like poor season management to me to have these guys out at the same time, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you have complete control over when you get your yellow cards, but you know, you do have some control in that. And it's not like, you know, Rufus card, which is, I think the one where we talked about this last time, wasn't a card that needed to be, you know, gotten. It was just a dumb card. And that's, Uh, you know having having him out at the same time as Payne and then you've got Pennington out the following week you know it's it just it feels like that could have been managed better particularly since you you do have that you know extension that exists where you could have more cards after a certain point and so you know it's not like you have to take a suspension it's you know yeah I don't know I just find it frustrating from that standpoint I feel like as a as a squad and as a as a as a unit, you can manage this better. And you know, if, if it's a yellow, you got to take to avoid a goal or whatever. You know, fair player wouldn't. I wouldn't be criticising that. But th- these weren't that. This just felt, yeah, like you were kind of risking breaking up the flow of the season. I'm not going to say it has broken up the flow of the season, but it certainly doesn't help. At the same time, as you're facing a few injuries and in red card suspensions, that you can you can criticise those as well um, to be also picking up yellow card suspensions.
1: Yeah, uh, that Pennington one, as you say, just didn't need to do it. And you saw Pennington, after he did it and got got the yellow, he threw his hands up in the air and was just kind of like, why did I do that? Because he realised the consequence that was happening. Um, it, I, it feels like this is maybe the middle, that potentially a consequence of being so tired even. Like we have been short of players, and so a lot of our starting lineup are probably playing more minutes accumulated over the this kind of period. It, does it feel like that's a potential for you? We've kind of seen some of the forwards go a little off the boil too. Uh, Costas, his mojo seems to be slipping a little bit. You know, is, is this just weary legs? Not sure as Mojo
2: is slipping, mate. He did go through a pretty exceptional period of, uh, was it eight goals in six games? That's not exactly something you'd expect a player to do. And it's only no, been no. a couple of games where we haven't been scoring as heavily. So, and we've been playing uh, the last game CCM, and prior to that, we're against victory in the last three games. So, I think off off his game or lose his Mojo is probably a little harsh.
1: Well, it wasn't even going on goals. I was just going his performances weren't. Like, his performances three games ago were pretty electric, right? But he's been struggling to get involved. For me, I think this just goes back to
0: not quite having our our best 11 out there. You know, when our best 11's out there, you know, they know how to play. We know what we're trying to do. When we've got, you know, a couple of players, you know, missing, that it isn't as free-flowing as it, you know, potentially could be. You know, i say we kind of struggled a little bit like they had maybe like a 20 minute patch in that second half where you know they had a bit of sustained pressure maybe 15 minutes and it was interesting i like see Wilder came on like 70 minutes and i, I see Italiano saying that um <laughs> within like two minutes of him coming on he injured his groin and his movements uh, were restricted which kind of maybe plays into why we were struggling a bit because we d- he couldn't he couldn't do much and we didn't really have the kind of the outlet that we we needed and you know for all that you know, pressure, again, they didn't really, they had two long-range shots that were not really that dangerous. So, yeah, it's, I think, this game, I think, is it, because we. I think we conceded in the last minute, it feels much more like a loss than, like, you know, it feels like two points dropped than one point earned, even though I think, you yeah, know, we probably should have closed that game out, you know, earlier with that chance, uh chance uh, with, like, five minutes to go where he kind of got in behind and um, had, the, had the goal, um, had a shot sort of tipped around by the keeper.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. I think it, it, this defensively didn't feel like a bad performance to me. I mean, the the result, as you say, kind of has some some inklings of feeling like a loss, but I don't I don't think defensively is where that comes from. I think it, it is that it probably should have been put to bed with another goal or two earlier in the game, and then you're not you're not even thinking about that, right? They had a, a couple half chances all game and they happened to get a goal out of it. Whereas we were more productive and also only got a goal out of it. So I think I think that's where it feels like we struggled in this was with the go forward, not necessarily defensively. I think defensively we still look pretty solid across across both of these games we're gonna we're gonna talk about.
1: Yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, relative to who we were missing, which was obviously Roofer and Payne. Sutton was out. Who else Zawada was uh, coming back from an injury and then playing injured. Ben Olds managing an out ankle injury. Who else am I missing? Yeah, it's, it's probably a few more, but I think
0: before our... It's enough, right? To, well, yeah, before our trip to Australia, the, the Newcastle and Brisbane's game, I think we would have taken four points easy, right? Like, yeah, you'd love six, but yeah, coming home with four points is, is a no-brainer. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah, that's valid. That's valid. Uh, I think probably the point about it being an emotional loss rather than an actual a deflating event rather than it being an actual kind of bad effort uh, or not pleasant effort. Yeah, defensively, I mean, we, we, we're pretty solid at the moment. I say that touching wood. It's something I'm not really used to as a Knicks fan.
0: No, and that's right. And, and you know, there are, there are always going to be patches where, you know, you don't have control of the ball and it might be five minutes, it might be 10 minutes. But I think teams of old would have collapsed in those moments. You know, I can remember games, you know, away from home where we've been like, you know, under the pump at 15 minutes, you're like, there's a goal coming. Two minutes later, boom, there's a goal. This feels slightly different mm. at the moment anyway, that, you know, we can absorb these these periods because we're, you know, well-organized. And, you know, occasionally it won't happen. And, and like in this game, you know, they score in the last last minute. You know, slightly dubiously, for the most part, the game plan, you know, worked. We had that game in the bag. We just didn't quite manage it for the last 90, 90 seconds of it.
1: I, I take it you're alluding to the perfectly legal uh, judo throw <laughs> uh, on Ben Old. I mean, that that's a full nip on as far as I'm concerned. That's a great point.
3: It's just... Oh, it's a foul all day. There's no There's no world in which that's not a foul. And I just... <laughs> I can't fathom how VAR is not interested in that. I don't know. It, like if if that was an attacker getting buffed to the deck like that, VAR saying penalty all fucking day, right? I just I don't I don't get it. Like, it, yeah.
1: Oh, considering I watched the OFC game today with the football fern, so <laughs> it's like commenting on refereeing seems really weird. Wow, now.
3: Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's that kind of like. He was leaning into him, so had force going into him, and then has two arms and sort of swats, you know, pushes him away. It's the it's the two arms I think that gets me. Like
1: I can kind oh, of 100%.
0: understand, like one arm, fine. You can kind of, you know, that's that's kind of a muscle game, but two arms is is where you get your force from.
1: It's a hip throw.
0: <laughs> it's legitimately a hip throw. Yeah, I mean, we should have we should have managed that game a bit better, but it's still frustrating to be that close to. You know, creating a bit more of a gap at the top because of you know mm. Melbourne's draw. Yeah. You know, like that's God. Yeah. Oh, that really, it like it's like one of those moments. Where like you look back at the end of the season, and go, it's, it, "That's a what if moment." Yeah. You know, at the end of the game, where you've got no chance to respond.
1: I want to call out Isaac Hayes here. Uh, uh, Isaac Hughes, rather, not Hayes. Um, he is <laughs> Isaac Hayes. Well, mate. Isaac Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate salty balls for everyone. Um Can you give me? Can you give us some lines,
0: uh, Frosty?
1: No, mate. I I I feel like I'd be done for a hate crime if I tried. <laughs> um, Dave's not is shaking his head like he doesn't know who Isaac Hayes is. That's okay.
3: No, I know very well. I'm just intrigued that you bothered to continue down the rabbit hole of your mistake. Dig
1: up, oh. mate. Dig up. If I didn't dig down, we'd have, we'd have no swimming pool, mate. So Isaac Hughes, I, I did want to call him out because I thought this is a big call away. He's played almost no football, and then he kind of gets uh, strung out on the right-hand side of a defence, and he does a pretty solid job. I I, I I thought it's worth noting, as much as, you know, I, I don't want to, speak, to become blasé about our academy players coming in stepping up to the first team and then going and playing a full 90 out of position and doing well. We've got Kelly Hill doing it on the other side now. I mean, this is pretty outstanding, right? I can see how you
0: got to Isaac Hayes because doesn't he have a song called by the time I get to Phoenix. So maybe that's what's in the, in the back of your mind.
1: Anyway, it's yes, Hughes. A deep heart reference, mate. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, it was it was excellent. Yeah, like I don't think he put a put a foot wrong. And I think again, I think like we talked with about Kelly Hield. I think the having a couple of centre backs next to him and in a, in a you know, three centre backs, I think helps as it, part of your introduction. You know, just in terms of the yeah less distance to to cover and less space and that kind of thing. So, yep, good good performance. It's like there's still that lingering like you know if one of those guys goes down, one of our normal centre backs, would you chuck him in as a centre back? And a back back four, still that kind of how how quality is our is our depth on the bench.
1: Yep, yeah, that's valid. It, it does unfortunately bring into contrast a little for me. Oscar Van Hatham, he's an he's an outstanding athlete and he works very hard, but he really hasn't shown a whole lot of quality, and he's been getting a lot more time of, re, of late. He still hasn't shown an, a lot of quality. In the position that he's supposed to be playing up front, that cutting edge finishing,
2: mm. he's shown as much as he's shown as much as Ben Wayne. At the same age, same level of development, he's shown he's, he's shown as much as Ben Wayne.
1: I no scored, mate.
2: Yeah, same number of goal involvements, and I actually think I actually think he's improved significantly over the last few weeks. I think his involvement in the games and how. He's impact the game has been heaps better than it has been previously. Um, and he's benefiting from some time in the middle. Hopefully that is uh, my
1: question. Is it just a question of he needs more time? He hasn't had enough time? Because, I mean, he's had these little opportunities, let's be honest, little opportunities up until now. Is this the time where he has to kind of step up?
3: I mean, I disagree with Cam. I, I think... We're not seeing enough from him. I think. I think he's young. Obviously, um, there's there's clearly good technical ability, but I think based on some of the quality of chances he's had in things, he needs to do better. And I, I was having this conversation um, uh, about the game. Last night, actually, with someone. um, And and he was saying that he thinks Van Hat's lazy. And I, I don't think that's the case. I no, think he just no. seriously lacks in confidence. I oh, know, because I can see why they're saying that, though, because there are a lot of really good runs he should be making, and he doesn't. He's young, he's fit. Why are you not making the run? You know, there's an easy ball to the back post, and it's a tap-in, and he's not there. He'll, he'll hold back, even though there's already two people standing on the spot and that kind of stuff. And you're like, you're at the back post. Why are you not? getting into the back post. Why stand 10 yards off it, you know? And he was putting it down to laziness. And I, I think, for me, I think it's a complete lack of confidence. I think he he doesn't know where to be and feels a little out of his depth still. And maybe when he bangs his first one in, they'll suddenly start coming. But he just, I I don't know, there's something there that means he's not attacking the ball. He's not confident to shoot. He's looking, looking to get the ball to someone else to do the business with when actually... He's got the technical ability to do it himself. He's just not backing himself in those critical situations. And obviously some of that will come with, you know, more minutes out there in the middle, feeling more confident out there on the pitch that you do, you know, belong at this level, but he's got to find it. Cause he's, he's had some absolutely guilty chances and just hasn't scored them. And, and we need to see that, you know, if you're going to be a striker rather than, you know, just a creator, uh, we need to see some goals and, you know, the enterprise is there, the technical abilities there. He just needs to find that last little piece of the puzzle. And I don't know, I think if that doesn't come this season, when's it going to come, right? Like, there's still time left this season. He's still going to get minutes, but how many more chances do you keep giving a guy who isn't quite finding what he needs to find?
2: I agree that last step does have to come this season. I definitely agree with that. Um, looking at the depth that we have coming out of the academy alone, and uh, there's plenty of young guys like your Luke Supix and your Josh Tollies who are you know doing what he was doing and banging them in at the level below, therefore deserve that opportunity. certainly. So I certainly do believe that he needs to be doing it this year because otherwise that spot does
1: needs to be made available for someone else to step into. I reckon Dave might be onto something there because I look at the the shots he's taking. They're almost speculators. He's taking the ones from out wide, the ones where he's not feeling a whole lot of pressure. You know, it's like, if I hit this and it doesn't go in then. But not making the run. So, yeah, he might be onto something, Dave. Uh, How do you fix that, though? Apart from just more time and just keep pumping his tyres until basically one hits him in the face. Even older
3: strikers, right, struggle with confidence at times, you know? If, If you're a confidence player, there's not any simple, easy fix for it. So I don't know, but I, I I put it down to that more than I think it's his, his lack of enterprise. Because I think I think we do see a fair bit of enterprise from him, just not necessarily the critical moments. And I, I think that's just indecision and and that you know the voice in the back of his head overshadowing what he knows he should do. You know, he just needs to go on instinct. Um, yep. So yeah, that's that's hard to fix externally, right?
1: Yeah, fair call. We should uh, wrap this game up. Uh, and get on to the next one. Uh, suffice to say, someone fouled Ben Old. They went on and scored in the last, in the fourth minute of injury time. That sucked balls, but at least victory didn't get points. So we kept our two point buffer. It did mean that Mariners caught up to uh, within two points of us on the table, sitting second. So they jumped uh, victory. And it meant that the next game, versus the Mariners at Sky Stadium was a top-of-the-table clash. And if you had said us versus Mariners at, uh, a couple of seasons ago would be the top-of-the-table clash, I would have slapped you just for trying to fool me. But now with them having a title under their belt and us sitting top of the table, that's not too bad a spot.
0: Well, you might not even have said it after four weeks when the Mariners had four losses in a row.
1: True. Very true. They were a bit rusty, but they've, t- they've turned into quite a solid defensive unit, as as I guess we found out from this game. Not that we didn't know it already. If we thought that the Brisbane game was a bit of a prize fight, Jesus, this one was mm-hmm. um, tactical. Yeah, that's the way to put it.
0: I think people say it's it's boring or it's a bad game. I, I, I mean, I don't think it was a bad game. Right? Bad games are when you know, people can't string you know, five-yard passes away. and It's just possessions being ping-ponged between the two sides, um, just because two teams are very good at defending and and, and are very somewhat quite similar and both enjoy the kind of transitional game and, those, and both sides wanting to, you know, minimise that risk results in, in what it did. And, you know, if there was an early goal, it might have changed the game complexion quite significantly, I think. But I think for the most part, um, especially for that first maybe sixty minutes, I thought we were on top, not not by, you know, pumping them with chances, but we looked better in those transitional moments. We perhaps didn't create, you know, particularly clear chances, but there were, you know, a couple of balls across the face of goal, those kind of things that don't come up in stats. And I think we just created a little bit more. We, they they tried to press us and, and we got through the press a few times and I think once they realised we were doing that, they started to go a bit more defensive. First, rather than than try to press us high up, and I think that's what made it a bit more of a you know bit of a stalemate more than anything.
2: The Mariners went defensive very early in the game, and I wonder how much that is because they played Adelaide on Sunday, so it's a two day turnaround, and it will travel to New Zealand in the middle of that. So there's and we had only had a three day turnaround as well. I just I think the teams weren't playing as aggressively as robustly as they may usually have done so because they didn't have the legs for it because they did have that such a short turnaround and i think there might be an impact on that coming coming up in the next weekend as well um i agree with you i thought we were with a better side across the 90 and it was only really in the last 10 or so minutes where the Mariners had a couple of fairly decent opportunities that uh, Alex had to save where they really came into. It. I think beyond that we controlled possession and controlled territory and certainly were the more potent of the two without ever looking really dangerous.
0: Yeah, I, I think what perhaps swung the pendulum a little bit in that late towards that later part of the game is we looked to the bench and we had no one to come on. Um, so i think i think G V said i'd rather have some tired experienced legs than some young guys um, and i think perhaps they they had a bit you know a bit more while well, they had to travel and i think had one less day recovery um they had a much deeper squad to to work with and i think perhaps some of that fresher legs yeah you know, contributed to that because you know old while still looking the most probably creative looked gassed by about 60 minutes I think but we just had no one else to really, to really um
1: to put put on him it was well before 60. trust me
3: yeah
1: yeah yeah that um beginning of that second half he started the, the league started to get a bit wobbly I think we had van had him going back up to the top of the uh as well but Tim payne and Alex roofer back having roofer back you, you Dale you were just thinking, mentioning what he did well and he did well at this in the game. I think that that control through the middle of the park was was very noticeable. It, uh, he, he, there was a lot of directing traffic, but he did get on the ball a fair amount as well. He also did well to avoid a yellow card because uh, there were some tasty tackles in there
0: from
3: Ooh, yeah. him. That we had Ooh. 15 fouls and no yellow cards. I was... He he wasn't the only one on the park who was lucky no. to avoid a yellow
2: there was there was one situation where uh, one player has beaten both uh, Alex and Borley and one of them has gone with him with his legs, the other one's gone to try and grab him with the arms, as he's gone past and both could have ended up quite comfortably in yellow cards if they ever came back, because they did slow down the play and break the transition for Mariners it's like, yeah, we've been, we've been quite fortunate across that 19
1: In fairness, we know it's Alex King, and the players know it's Alex King, and they, we know that he doesn't get those cards out early this is this is the way that he does.
3: Well, I I think that's probably a fair comment. But the interesting thing for me in this game was he didn't really get them out at all. It wasn't like oh we're just going to get through the first half and then they're going to come. It was nah. There aren't really yellow card challenges in this game at all. We just we're going to set the threshold two notches higher than any other game, which I I thought was a bit strange. But but I think Alex had a great game. I think what you were saying about him you know, showing showing the attributes he has is very true. But I think for me, this game showed just as much how we kind of need that complete picture in midfield for it to work nicely. You know, you do need Rufa, Pennington, Al Tay, all kind of there. They are all offering different pieces of that midfield puzzle, right? Because I think Rufa yep. had a fantastic game, but him having a fantastic game alone isn't enough to get that kind of midfield ticking the way it does when it's ticking well. And I think... It kind of shows you need at least two out of those three there for it to function as well as it can. You know, it's serviceable without, but it requires one person having a standout game just to keep it ticking over rather than really humming.
0: Yeah, Cry of having to play a bit more deeper. While well, he was excellent and probably the best game, best uh, player on the park, I think, for me. That that tackle he made, was it five minutes in where he dispossessed yeah. Torres as he was about to go through on goal? Mm. yeah brilliant brilliant work um but i think that also you know nullified our attack a little bit as well i I think that's what you mean if we had pennington there cry plays a bit higher maybe we create a bit more chance and we might you know might have scored a goal but it's kind of that one where it's it's the fact that chief was able to put out a a competent looking 11 based on who who was out was pretty impressive because i I, even seeing the starting lineup i was like, i don't know where anyone's playing
1: it was 11 bodies right Pretty much. Yeah. Um,
3: and, and not just to get 11 bodies out there, but to get a point out of it too, you know, against second on the table. it's. I think, as you said before, you know, if you come into these this run of three games we've had and said, you're still going to be clear at the top of the table by two points, you would have taken that, right?
1: <laughs> Why yeah. wouldn't you? I, I think it's worth mentioning that we have been a bit lucky in that um, victory have... Uh, be missing Fornaroli for a long period of time and that it's that he's been smashing goals in for the I'm not sure if they'd know how to score without him, to be honest. You mentioned Cry uh, of having such a good game, dropping deep. Uh, someone that I really struggled with, apart from um, Van Haddam, I, I don't want to question his involvement. He he did get involved and did put in a good effort. I I don't like Ben old dropping deep. He He's very, very aggressive, and he's very, very confident, and I think that that's great further up the field. But right towards the end when he had tired legs, he was still trying to beat players in our defensive third, and he did that a number of times and got caught, and I was like, I don't want to see him doing it there. I want him way up the field. I you know, it, I would have loved roofs or someone to just have a word in his ear and go, just take it easy, mate. You don't have to do this by yourself. Just play the numbers.
0: He was getting a bit, getting a bit isolated on the touchline sometimes, wasn't he? He was, he was getting the ball yeah. sort of back to goal or with like a metre of space and trying to wiggle his way past and getting and getting caught a couple of times. And you know, thankfully, it didn't sort of lead to anything. But I, I get I get your point. I, I I do think there is something in him, especially when the game's a little bit more open, of him picking it yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. Deeper, yeah, when he's got space to, to, to turn and get up. When it's, but I think in
1: it's in way. the middle of the field, dropping deeper. He looks really yeah. good yeah. against Brisbane. He did that a couple of times and just went on a belt straight up the field and was skinning players all over the place. But yeah, not not there. It it just does show, I think, that certainly I have been undervaluing um, Pennington a bit. Ah, uh, you're coming round. You're coming around to it. No, I'm not coming around. I, I he's managed to limit his errors, which I think is really good. Because he was always good for shelling an absolute balls up right in our goal box. I can't remember him doing that lately. And having Pennington and um, Al Tay being able to drop in behind the fullbacks to allow them to to o- overlap or underlap, depending on whether they were playing inverted or not. I think that I'm really coming around to appreciate the work that they're doing and allowing our defence to get set and deep and hold that space really well obviously we saw old not quite able to do it for all his abilities uh we saw um van haddam having to come back and cover uh pain a few times and not doing as good a job as el does but you know that's not really his forte we did see a lot of the younger subs coming on um conchi and uh supik even got some time I've always seen Conchie as kind of a more defensive player. Does he does he play eight now? I think probably out of necessity than
0: anything. I think, uh, yeah, he he certainly played a little bit higher in front of uh, Rufer, didn't he? For me, he kind of struggled to get into the game a bit. He's still young, trying to get his yeah you know, minutes, but didn't see much that um, you know to highlight from
1: from his you know thirty minutes on the park. Right. I I think by that stage, he he barely saw the ball, to be honest. Most of our team didn't see the ball. Looking at that uh, defensive lineup, though, I mean, having – you mentioned, you know, if Isaac Hughes had to uh, cover one of our centre-backs, would it kind of – would he be able to do it as well? I mean, it kind of does almost circle around the fact that those two, Scott Wooten and Finn Sermon – have been ever-present, have managed to stay uninjured, and have been so solid. It's really a bit of a godsend, especially with everything else that's kind of happening around them. That They're there, uh, Paulson's there, and able to kind of keep that solid. Dave?
3: Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting one, right? Because I think that we look probably the most defensively solid we have as a Phoenix side that I can remember. That's not to say there aren't other periods where we've been very defensively solid, but usually it's been pretty kind of scrambly. This has felt pretty, pretty set, pretty confident, pretty you know well structured. defense. And I don't, I, I don't remember it ever really looking like that before. And and if you were to think about you know the defenders we've had and you know all the, all the kind of big names we've had in those spaces, would you believe that? Yeah, Tim Payne, Scott Wooten, Finn Sermon, and Lucas Kelly healed would be <laughs> our solid defensive backline with structure like that those are not the names that would have been in the mix right and so it's it's kind of fascinating to see how well chiefie is getting that working and so it gives me some confidence that you probably could slot other names in there and keep it relatively solid still because I don't think it's relying you know purely on out-and-out out skill of these defenders, right? That's not to say these guys aren't skilled at all, but it is clearly it's it's about structure and it's about the support that's around them. It's about the defense screening in front. It's about Paulson talking from the back and being, you know, very confident in his keeping. And it's, it's not just the bodies in that four that are what are contributing to this solid defensive effort.
2: It's a unit as a seven, really, isn't it? It's a unit as a seven. with uh, If you throw in Altay and Pennington and Rufa in front, to be fair. so Because when you play all three of those midfielders, they are all somewhere between six and eight and not really a ten. So if we're looking at that back four, we're looking at actually need to really look at a, kind of a back seven, almost a back eight with, um, with uh, Alex in there. And the unit is looking good.
0: It's looking really good. Yeah, I mean, centre-back's always a bit tough because it's, it's a position where you can't build up minutes. You know, it's either you're on the bench or you're playing 90 minutes usually. Um, it's not like an attacking, you know, Oscar Van Damme can't get his minutes up by playing 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. It's it's all or nothing. So it's impossible to say, you know, how how, how all that will go. And I just hope we don't have to find out really because I'm kind of content with how it's going so far.
1: Well, I, the other thing for me is that You know, we've got this really solid defensive back four. But two of them are not renowned attacking players, but are being used in that role. Uh, Lucas Kelly-Heald, obviously a converted centre-back, and Tim Payne, traditionally a more defensive right-back, but now proving a hell of an attacking threat. Lucas Kelly-Heald on the other side. Getting forward, um, he's very confident on the ball, very capable on the ball. I think that that's, it's really cool to see but also, it's I I think that maybe we don't give enough credit to Chiefy for allowing them to be that confident and instilling that confidence in them. A couple of things I think Payne has played as a ball playing midfielder,
0: so it's not like he, he doesn't know how to, you know, play mm, football. Yeah, I think for Kelly Hield, I think I think it's noticeable we don't get as much production out of his side than we do down Tim Payne's side, and I think uh, Kelly Hield's final ball, cross, cutbacks, whatever they are, it's so not at the same quality. Yeah. Yeah, if he can bring that into his game a bit more, and we can look a bit more dangerous down both sides, yeah, it'd bring another sort of layer to attack, because at the moment, it's it's mostly down the right,
3: right side. Yeah, I think with Lucas, you can see... That he's trying but the product just isn't quite there like you see him trying to get into the right spaces and and trying to put good balls in and trying to overlap and some of that stuff and it's just it's not as fluid it's not a natural part of his game yet so hopefully it comes
2: we, we hmm. do we are acknowledging that he is a center back that's been
3: converted though
2: right so yeah just 100%. i'm comfortable with the fact yeah comfortable with the fact that he is trying and he is developing but understand why that final product isn't there yet
1: well we should also note he's he's Starting, to put his uh, hand up for set piece, which I find really interesting. You've got a bloke who's six foot seven, and he's and he's going off to take free kicks and corners. And I'm like, hang on, what? I mean, it's a so it's, it's a real
0: it's a real shame because we've got like so many tall players in our team for once, and <laughs> yet yeah, we just forgot to recruit the person who could deliver a decent ball into the box. Oh,
1: I, I've been thinking that you know, Michaela Foster just. Whacking corners to those guys would just be a sight to behold. I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot more to talk about with Mariners. It was a very tactical game. It was very, I, I think it was very well coached by both sides. To be quite honest, that that turnaround for both teams was ridiculously short, and neither team disgraced themselves, but didn't put themselves out there. So, how, how do you think the crowd would
0: go away following that game? I've seen a, a few yeah. sort of very very hottish hottish takes about the, the, you know, the quality of the game and how many people were retu- you know, how many of the 13,000 will
3: return. It's hard for the, like, for those of us who watch football, you can appreciate parts of that. Right. But if, if that's the only game you've come to all year, you're probably not coming back. And, I, and that's not because I think the teams play badly or there wasn't good entertainment to be had, but you know, you've got a young kid or whatever they want to see bloody goals. It's just life. And it's, it's always rough that we get a good crowd on a beautiful day, and it ends up being a, a tactical battle rather than a goal fest. It's just just bad luck, right? So,
1: well, I guess we should transition across to the uh, women's game. Actually, just be- just before we do, I think it's awesome
2: that there was eleven academy graduates in the squad yesterday on their way. Oh, that was a cool photo. It was eleven, and that's not including Sam Sutton, who wasn't in the match day squad, who is also heavily, obviously involved with the uh, with the team. So I just think it's a kind of testament to work that obviously Steve Coleman's just left the academy and moved in, moving on to uh, other things. He's been there six years, and uh, obviously Temps has been heavily involved and has now moved on to other things as well. Um, and uh, Greeny's been there for ages too. I think it's just a it, it's an awesome validation of the work that they've been putting in with the young guys to see so many of them there or thereabouts and certainly whilst a lot of them are on the start of that professional journey at least you know that they've got the ability to do it moving forward.
0: Must must be one of the uh, first time ever where we haven't had an Australian play in an A-league game for us. Yeah, there's the only there.
2: one on the bench, hey, Jack?
0: Someone someone, do some digging and find out if it's ever happened before. I I
3: don't think
1: he listens. Or Ryan's Rovers. I'm happy to outsource to whoever. He probably listens. RR will. Yeah, yeah. He'll definitely have it. If he hasn't already put the tweet out, no one can. Um, uh, Obviously, there's the game coming up versus the Western United, as Cam's alluded to, Saturday at 5.30 at Sky Stadium um, versus Western United, who are sitting woefully off the bottom of the table on 8 points 7 points adrift from the next place, uh, Perth glory, which means that they're due an upset let's get on to the women's game versus uh, Newcastle um, obviously Riley Foster out uh, Bree Edwards slotting in, um, the rest of the team was Foster Barry Jaber, Jaber, is that how you say her name? J- I've only Jabba. Ever seen it written down Jaber. Sharper, Davidson, Longo, Taylor, Fraser, Cox, and McMeekin. Um, kind of persisting with that McMeekin up front, which I think is a very interesting and a very imposing arrangement. Oh my God, this was a frustrating game. It, <laughs> how, many, how many times have you said that this season? <laughs> oh, this one, it just, we hit the woodwork a couple of times relatively early on. Their our first goal, with Speckmeyer got literally three of their players just ran into each other, tackled each other, and Speckmeyer had to do a little bit to get it out of the tangle of their legs, and then a nice finish. And I was just watching it, going, "How did we lose to this rabble? They hit three really quality goals out of nowhere, but yet were Keystone Cops some of the rest of the time. It's just like, how?" No, that's sort a of question. How? That it was away from home? Is that a sufficient answer? Yep. Too far away from home.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, was it was the eighth, eighth one-goal loss of the season. Like It's like there, but it's just like
1: it refuses to be there. Yeah. Sixth away loss in a row. Or seventh, I think, maybe.
3: It, it's kind of, I don't know not the exact opposite but a a weird contrast with the men right because we're we're creating good opportunities and scoring them for the women's side like there are goals every game we're scoring some they look good there's there's a lot of nice attacking play but we just can't seem to sort it out at the back despite looking relatively solid at the back you know there's there's not some kind of big gaping hole there either and yet it seems to leak goals and I don't quite know the answer to that. Because, I mean, this game, I mean, some of these are absolute screamers. I mean, shit, cop those, whatever. But it it's still, you know, it's always that one goal too many. It's it's kind of like going back to the old Team Wellington days of just trying and score more than the opponent, right? And who cares about anything else? And, and we're on the wrong side of it each and every time. Because, yeah, I don't know. As you say, it's frustrating because it doesn't feel like... There's just one thing that's going woefully wrong. It feels like there's a lot of stuff going really, really right, except for points on the table. Yeah, I, th- I think
0: the goal you mentioned, uh, you talked about, is that one just after halftime, it she's absolutely smashed it on the underside of the crossbar, and like,
3: oh, what a treat! Like, uh, oh, what do you
0: do with that? And and we kind of had some players like, you know, trying to block. Like, it's not like it's we kind of you know parted like the red sea and said, take your best go. We had players in and around there just invaded them all and. and She's
1: yeah. hit it from 20 odd yards out and just, just smashed it. Yeah. Um, and yep. the third goal, uh, Bolden, who's from outside the box on the turn, just hit the cover off it right in the top corner. I was just like, please take that away. If you want to talk about Worldies as well, I mean, what a
3: save Bree makes in this game as well. That's it. That's Which a worldie one? of a save. Yeah, well, no. the, the, the close range header is the one I'm referring to, but she makes yep. a couple really good saves, but you know, we talk about worldies for goals, that that one, the close range header is a worldie of a save too.
2: That was incredible. There was the one? I, yeah. I don't know how she's got that. I genuinely I've watched that a dozen times, I still have no idea how she's managed to make that save, it's incredible.
1: She's Honestly, she's looked where the, where the gap is for the the easy goal and just made herself as big as she can and just thrown herself at it. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean, that is she has done everything she could possibly do and she's come off with it.
0: Does it feel like she is a bit more athletic than perhaps previous seasons? I know she had that good penalty save as well. And, and there were a couple of other good diving saves. I, I just don't, maybe it's my old age, but I just, I don't recall her being as, um, you know been able to throw herself around as, as much in previous
1: seasons. I always I always thought of her as, as an athletic keeper, just not as dominant as Riley Foster. Uh, I think that she she is now especially. She's a bit, her ability to make those those big saves. I suspect she might be better than Foster, but Foster's ability in the in confined areas is probably a lot stronger.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think Foster probably is more well-rounded as a goalkeeper. Like I think she's significant, significantly better um, a yeah. and 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 better with her feet as well. So having two, basically two number ones, has been a godsend this season, right? Isn't it? That, that'd be an age thing, right?
2: Like she's just turned twenty one, she's still really, really young. Whereas Foss is really? quite experienced. yeah. She had a birthday last month, so Jesus. she's she's incredibly young. So you know she's not even going to peak for another decade because keepers don't peak to at least their late twenties. So um, yeah, I think... I'm still I'm still trying to peak, Cam. No, I've I've seen you play. You you're going downhill. You now. did peak, mate. <laughs> oh, it just it wasn't <laughs> that high.
0: That's a brutal reality hit. That one.
3: I think I think back to Brie though. I think as well having having another keeper of the the quality and kind of pedigree of Foster to train alongside surely has to do wonders for for Brie and training as well, right? There, I'm I'm sure there are some some pointers and some technique and some some little things that get worked on together. You know, much as much as you have a goalkeeping coach, you learn as much from the keepers you work working alongside, right? So having someone of Riley's quality to train with must be rubbing off on Bree too, you'd imagine. So I do wonder if that's um, helping some of that too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You make a good point about that relationship they've got. Obviously when um, Riley Foster got sent off, uh, um, she still made a point of running on the field and congratulating um Brie Edwards for the the penalty save and um, gave her the big talk up in the in the um, team chat afterwards. Uh, in the circle, you could see her basically just pointing at Brie. That was that was really awesome to see someone that they're effectively competing for the same position, right? And still doing that. that so that's pretty cool. Um, we uh, saw um, Cox uh, starting to show that she's got. She's got the ability that we've heard that she has, um, starting to fit in that team a bit more. That run she made to score her goal, she made it look almost effortless, uh, bumped off their centre-back and just circled around. The Newcastle keeper, um, if I was a Newcastle fan, she would not inspire me with um, confidence she her, didn't seem able to get off her feet particularly and got caught in no man's land a couple of times. And But um, still, a, a good finish by Cox. Fortunately, we just, as Dale says, it's just that one goal that seems to pip us every time and leave us with zero points. It, I guess for me, the, the, the troubling thing is the consistency of uh, away losses. You know, we're not even getting draws out of a you know, out of that many. It it is and it is losing by one. So we're just that close. I think it's that emotional component that we talked about with the first men's game at Brisbane. It just feels worse because we're just so close.
3: Yeah, and I think it'd feel worse if we weren't playing well. I think at least you look at these and go, We're going out there, we're we're right in these games being competitive. It's not like we're going over there and we fall to bits. Um, as you say, the frustration, the emotional impact of not getting points out of these is, is rough, but we're going over there. We're still playing decent football We're we're being very competitive in these games. So they, they just need to find that one little extra bit, you know, it's not, it's not like you've got to start from scratch, you know, it's pretty close. And I think as Cam says, maybe part of it is just, you know, uh, regression to the mean, it is, you know, this is where this is where we should be on the table, and it's just a bit of a, a correction. Obviously, we'd all prefer to be doing a lot better, but when you look at previous seasons, even even making the six is a huge improvement over where we were. Um, and yeah, hopefully, we do better than that. Yeah, and I, I think the only bit of context that really needs, and, and we're never going to have it, nor should we, is. Obviously we've spent more money on the team this season, you know. Where does that put us in the spending ranks? Have have we spent enough money on this side in the imports this season that realistically we should be a top two team? I don't think that would be the case, but maybe behind the scenes there are some financials that say this isn't what we were targeting. We were targeting a much bigger play than this. But I think it's probably more likely we've we've spent a modest amount and are gonna finish mid table and that's that's a great result. But there is that piece there where we know this is the first time we've we've you know, put some money where our mouth is, and got some imports in, and, and all of that. Maybe internally there was a higher expectation, but we we haven't heard that publicly. I don't think there's been any suggestion that that's the case, but it could be a layer we're unaware of.
1: I, I want to just go through the numbers at the moment. Um, so the uh, women's team, the Wainix, uh sitting ninth currently on 19 points, uh, two points adrift from the top six. Um, we have the Third highest goal difference, uh, well, easily in the top top five um, with plus three, but still sitting at ninth. Six wins, one, one draw, and eight losses. That's more losses than every other team apart from Adelaide. So that's the bit that seems to be killing us. Basically, if we turn two of those losses into draws, um, you know those one point, those one goal losses, we would be in the top six. And looking ahead, it's a bit of a tough run they've got. Western
0: United in two weeks' time with half a squad, then away to victory and away to Perth Glory, so, and then we have four very winnable games. Three of them at home, and then away to, away to Canberra as well. So the next three are going to be tough. It's a question about are we still within touching distance that those last four games? matter um, because I think you know theoretically I think we could win all four of those it's just are we going to be too far adrift with with perhaps you know, three losses another three losses on the on the bounce to yeah you know, to have any chance at that point
1: well we would need to do a bit better in these next couple games even if we do turn around quite a few wins in that victory uh sitting on 22 so there's still only three points ahead of us, uh, and they're sitting in fourth at the moment. Um, So we're going to wrap it up there. Just uh, remember the men's game, Saturday at 5.30 at Sky Stadium. Uh, Women's next game isn't for a while, obviously, with the football fans being away. Um, Hopefully get along to the stadium if you can. Um, If so, we'll see you there. If not, um, hopefully we'll be talking about a a nice big three-point win uh, next week. Go key